I just need a moment to let those words of that song wash over me. Yeah, what a beautiful name it is. When I think about that, I feel unworthy to be standing here because it's holy ground when we come together to worship God. And uh, I pray that the Holy Spirit is, has freedom in this room in the next 20 minutes or so to tap us at the heart. I hope your heart is soft to hear what God would want us to hear and what he wants you to hear today. Today is a day that is kind of a celebration across our church landscape of journey. That was five years ago on January the 6th that we took on the name Journey Mennonite Church. And so today uh, we celebrate five years of that, of how God has led. We can think, when we think back and think that some of you maybe here in this room were a part of this little group that started at Pershing Street in Hutchinson, and it was called the Pershing Street Mission, became the Pershing Street Mennonite Church, moved to South Hutch, called South Hutch Mennonite Church, and today it's a journey across um, three locations. It's so much bigger than me. It's so much bigger than us. Yeah, the name of Jesus, when it's displayed and when it's shared and when it's lived out, it's an incredible thing. Uh, I believe this morning, right here in this room, uh, some unique things and maybe some surprising things for us might just happen. We talk about sometimes church bells. What comes to your mind when you think of church bells all across the land? It used to be in the countryside and in towns. Um, church bells would ring, and it was a sign that God's people were gathered for worship. Uh, how many of you remember those bells? How many of you live in a place where you hear church bells now? A few, isn't it? It's less and less fewer and fewer people in the public arena even know what those church bells are about. We believe that in this new series together that there's a new kind and a different kind of bell. And if you'll pull out your little mark, this little bookmark in your bulletin, I want to walk you through that quickly and give you a couple things that we, that we think are really important for us. The next five weeks, today and four weeks going forward, are going to be, we're going to be working on these five things. Bells is, a, is an acronym. Today it's BLESS. How do we... How do we experience God's blessing? And we are blessed to bless others. How do we bless other people? That's what we're going to talk about. How do we, next week, Pastor Eric, by the way, welcome back, Eric and Carmen. We're glad to have your family back. Uh, we missed you. Glad you're here. Um, but next week, he'll be talking about um, what it means to have meals with people. Have you ever had uh, meals with people and all of a sudden the conversation just seems like it's, it, it doesn't end and time just kind of stops? We had a brunch at our house a couple weeks on a Saturday, a couple weeks before Christmas, and we gathered like six or so, five or six of our neighbors. We gathered at nine o'clock. It was noon when they left. There's something about eating with people. So that'll be the second week. The third week is what does it mean to listen well? That was the reason why I just, a part of it, I just kept it silent before we started. We're not a people of quiet, are we? 
in our land, in our culture, to just stop and be silent. This morning when I flipped the garage door opener at 5.30 to come in here, uh, I stepped outside a little bit, and it was just as quiet. as There was no wind at that time. There were no semis on 96. It was just quiet. There's important things happen when we get quiet. Second L to listen is learn. How do we learn? How do we learn the life of Jesus, of the Gospels? How do we learn to live and love like Jesus? And the last one is recognizing that God is a sending and missionary God, and he sends us as a missionary people. And Jesus described that best when he said, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Wow. So that's going to be the next five. Don't miss any of these weeks. And if you want to do, have a, something to keep track of what we're doing, there's a sheet like this out at the Welcome Center, in the fellow, in a, out in the Fellowship Center, there at the Welcome Place. What do we call that? Connection Center. What in the world was I thinking? Connection Center in the, worship, in the, active, in the Fellowship Center. Yeah, we'll get it here in a minute if I keep trying. But this is a place where you keep track of all five weeks. This morning, I would invite you to pull your outline out. A little bit looks like that. We're going to jump in, and it'll be some place for you to take notes because we believe that when we work at this together, there's no magic in these words. There's no magic in trying to put, um, you know, kind of interesting things together. We're taking some of our learning from a book called Surprise the World by Michael Frost. He's an Australian theologian, writer, uh, and teacher. And he is encouraging all Christ followers to practice these five habits and to, as a way to announce and demonstrate the reign of God through Jesus where we live, work, and play. It's an, it, I think it's going to be uh, extraordinary for us. I'm looking forward to myself, and I hope you will as well. Also, it, 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 really, it really is part of our, our uh, church vision statement, too, to be disciples who make disciples. I believe these next five weeks will have us think about the three dimensions of that, our relationship with God this way as we practice listening and learning, about Jesus. It will be about what we do in the community around us. In the community, it's like, how do we bless people and eat meals with people? And then how do we, how we live it out outside in our neighborhood? So I think it's going to be, uh, I think it will be a good thing. <clears throat> as, a, as the church bell announced that people gathered for worship, and maybe in times past and some today, I believe that these missional habits might just be a new kind of bell to be noticed the way that we might live. And so we're inviting all children and their parents and students and adults uh, to step into the next five weeks. Missional communities, small groups, Sunday school classes. If you're not in a group, uh, talk to Pastor Eric. Put it on your attendance card. Tonight, if you want to jump into a group, there's a group meets here at 6 o'clock, and, it, and that door is open for anyone who wants to come. But be in a group, especially for the next, over the next five weeks. We think, um, we think these habits will be important for us. How would we define a habit anyway? Let's back up a little bit. What's a habit? Well, it's something that we do that over time, it happens almost unconsciously. If we walked uh, behind me to um, 
Poplar Street, what would be the two things you'd do before just walking across blindly? You'd look both ways, wouldn't you? Yeah, we didn't just walk out in the street blindly, would we? No, we wouldn't. That's important. And so we think habits are important. Our families have habits, and, uh, and our country and our community has habits. I, uh, just for fun, I looked around a little bit like, how do, what are some habits of people and countries that celebrate New Year's, which we've just come through? And I found out some interesting things. Um, there's, a, there's a family in this community that celebrates New Year's this way. They throw eggs over the house. Duck your head. Yeah. If you live close to them, I'm glad I live in the country. Yeah. But uh, it's really interesting and unique and uh, humorous how different countries celebrate New Year's. I'll give you about three or four, four of those. In Spain, the habit at New Year's celebration is that you're going to have a, new, a good New Year if you can stuff 12 grapes in your mouth. Strange. In Switzerland, the New Year's habit is celebrated by dropping ice cream on the floor. Strange. It's, and yeah. In Puerto Rico, the New Year's habit is to throw buckets of water out of the upstairs windows. It drives the evil spirits away. Hmm. Yeah. In Colombia, New Year's habits are to carry a suitcase all day as a symbol of having safe travels through the year. The last one in Denmark, New Year's habits in Denmark, people climb on top of their chairs and jump off into the new year. Don't do that. Don't do that. So habits. We wonder, where do, where do those, you know, when I read those, it's like, where the world did that come from? Did somebody th- would somebody just throw a flag and say, where in the world did that come from? Certainly, uh, these historical habits and traditions seem odd, strange, and even humorous, for sure. Um, but I believe the practice of these habits that, that, are, that we want to step into will be some things that will, will be a surprising lifestyle to some people around us if we live them out. Another way of putting it is, does my life, does the way I'm living life, does it, is it questionable by anybody? I mow my yard, I wash my car, I go in every night, shut the garage door, I come out every morning and shut the garage door, I have fences around my house. Um, do I live a questionable life? Do I do anything that would evoke a question by my neighbors, associates, school, yeah, schoolmates? Anything. What would it look like? Wow. Paul writes some verses in Colossians chapter 4, 2 to 6, five verses that describe a couple things for us. And um, as we read this, read it in this way. Uh, a, few, a few weeks back, we, some weeks back in this past year, we did a series on understanding our giftedness. And in Ephesians 4, there are five gifts, and all of us have one of more of these gifts. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. Now, Paul was an evangelist, and he was an apostle. He started churches. He initiated things. But he's an evangelist as he speaks here. And so there are about 4 or 5% of us that have the gift of an evangelist. And you go, whew, I'm off the hook, Howard. Thank you. That's not me. But here's where. But every person on planet Earth who claims Jesus as Lord can live an evangelistic life. Hmm. Okay, let's read the text. 
Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open the door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I'm in chains. Pray that I can proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way we act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so you may know how to answer everyone. In these verses, Paul makes a distinction between um, the gift as an evangelist, he's talking about himself, and living an evangelistic life, maybe about the rest of us. And so in the first verses, in the verses 3 and 4, and by the way, this is on page 1078 in your red Bibles, if you don't have one. Um, uh, but verses 3 and 4, he's talking about himself. And explaining the gift of an evangelist, um, he says, Don't forget to pray for us, that God would open doors for telling the mystery of Christ, even while I'm locked up in this jail cell. Pray that every time I open my mouth, I'll be able to make Christ plain to people around me. That was his prayer. Pray that I would do that. Well, not everyone has, not all of us have that kind of gift. I'm not sure I would be as expressive and excited in the jail cell as he was. If we go now to verses 2 and verses 5 and 6, now he's talking to the rest of us about living an evangelistic life. And he says, pray diligently, stay alert with your eyes open in gratitude. Use your heads as you live and work. And uh, among, uh, live and work among not yet followers of Jesus. Make the most of every opportunity. Be gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in every conversation and not put anyone down. Eight things that he's talking about in verses 2 and 5 and 6 that I believe are attributes or suggestions by, by Paul that I think are good ones for us to season our lives with in a way that might evoke somebody in a question. Why are you interested in me? Yeah. Why would you be interested in my life? Yeah. I believe that as we walk forward in these habits of these in this acronym of bells, I believe that God's going to give us opportunities to announce and demonstrate the presence of God through Jesus at all the places that we find ourselves. And we know that our families, we know that our countries carry cultural habits that go from generation to generation. And and I believe that these habits, if we put them into practice uh, going forward in 2018... It will help shape our lives, our values, and propel us forward with confidence and with hope. And so a statement to kind of remember going forward is that this kind of a lifestyle is real people. It's real people living questionable questionable lives that point to Jesus. That's what we are. That's our call. Real people living questionable lives that point to Jesus, no other thing. And if we live lives like that, to bless others, if we live lives like that, to have meals with uh, people we know and some we don't know, and if we listen and stop, and I would challenge us as we get to that third one, the stopping piece and getting silent in our culture. Listen, learn, from, learn about Jesus in the Gospels and demonstrate what it means to be sent. I believe that we're going to find joy in the journey, and I believe we're going to find ways uh, to interact with people like we never have before.
Enough of the introduction. We're going to jump into the first one now. Bless. Habit number one. What does it mean to bless? How would we describe bless? What's the definition of blessing or blessing someone? It's to declare God's favor and goodness that builds someone up and and encourages them. Words of God's favor that build up and encourage. Words of God's favor that build up and encourage. Say it with me. Words of God's favor that build up and encourage. Remember that. Remember that. I think that's, that's really important for us. There's a book that I'm going to pull from for a little bit here entitled The Blessing by Gary Smalley and John Trent. It's an older book, older writing. I think there's a newer edition. He has five elements of, that we, to live a full, wholesome, uh, God-filled life uh, is to receive five elements of a blessing. And he talks about how we live when we don't have a blessing, how the church can be a blessing. But two of the things I want to pull out of there is, I think two elements of blessing people is the spoken word and high value. And so in the spoken word, you may have heard the term, sticks and stones might break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. That's a lie. Think of the words, hurtful words that come to your mind right now that have been hurtful for you and for me. They're out there, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Yeah. We learn quickly that words have the power to hurt or words have the power to heal. Words are powerful. To bless someone, though, we have to use the spoken word. And I would say this, that from, the, from an infant till we take our last breath, we are people in search of a blessing, of being blessed, and know that we have high value and we need to be encouraged. There's a person in here that doesn't need that. All of us need that. <clears throat> mean Mike, by the way, got his nickname by holding on to things really tight as a kid. If they wanted Mike to share toys with anybody else, Mean Mike wouldn't do it. He had a grip like a pliers. He wouldn't share with anyone. He would hold on to stuff with dear life... As a teenager, he became a bully in the school system and at home. His nickname might have been helpful as a linebacker, but it wrecked relationships. Over a lifetime, me and Mike constantly heard that he was mean. And folks, it burned deeply into his character. Mike has spent some years in the state prison of Arizona. Mike needed to hear positive words. Words to bless and heal, not words that hurt. There isn't a one of us here that haven't had words said to us. And my prayer when I, in, this kind of, in these kind of conversations that all of us can be carrying words on our backpack of the past that hold us back. Or we can say, that's not going to own me and that's not going to be, that's not going to define who I am. Some of you have heard me say this, but I'm going to say it again. I can get to fourth grade on the sidewalk in Helmsburg Elementary School in southern Indiana really quickly quickly if if I let myself. On the sidewalk where they were choosing up to do relay races. I'm in fourth grade. I'm about as wide as I was high. 
Guess who was chosen last? Guess what the words were? Who wants fatty? Yeah, hurtful words. I've learned that that's not who I am. That's not who God's created to me, me to be. What are the words for you? Are there words that are still, you're carrying with a backpack, packing around? Yeah. If they are, would we hold those out to God and call out on the Holy Spirit to come and replace us? And may we be a people that does that to for and to each other and with each other, that we're people of words that actually offer God's favor and blessing and words that build up and encourage, expressing high value. Well, a couple more things. I think overactivity and busyness can rob families of sharing blessing with their children. And if there's ever a time that our young people, children, teenagers, and then there's another group at the end of life, seniors sometimes, who feel lonely and unblessed and unfulfilled. I think there's that group. And all the way in between, we need to hear the words of value. But due to busyness and due to maybe not receiving the blessing as, as we have grown up, we can't give what we haven't received is one statement. I can't give blessing if I haven't received it. But I think we can learn and change that saying that says we can't give what we can't we can't give what we haven't received because I think we can turn that around. I think we can give what we haven't received. Left alone, though, without our kids and without us hearing spoken words of high value, here's what happens. Silence is left to mold a child's self-worth. Silence is left to mold a child's self-worth. Yeah. Expressing high value. Diane's parents uh, had tried unsuccessfully to have children for years. They were extremely joyful that 10 years into their marriage that they were pregnant and everything was normal through the pregnancy and delivery until they saw the doctor's reactions. When Diane, young baby Diane, was first brought to them, she was perfect, except for her left arm below the elbow was not there, undeveloped. There were tears. The doctor told them that all the tests were normal for baby Diane except this arm. Diane's parents had a choice to make, and they decided and made the conscious effort to pray to God to give them the spoken word, the high value and affirming words that would express high value to their daughter. Nineteen years later, here's here's what Diane says. Sure, I've experienced obstacles, stares, tactless questions from my peers, But from birth to adulthood, I have received the most gracious and powerful gift from my parents, the security of knowing that I have high value and I am unconditionally accepted. High value and unconditionally accepted. She said, whether I'm learning, trying to learn to play the piano or try to drive a car, my parents prayed with me and were patient with me 
when we bless someone, we are deciding that he or she has high value. Yeah. Hmm. Some of us are thinking, well, Howard, um, I, can remember, I can't remember spoken words that bless or demonstrate for me high value, but, but I remember those nicknames, and we talked a little bit about those already. Again, we can carry those or we can let go of them. Some of us can reflect back uh, saying, my family had favorites and I wasn't the one and that caused rifts in our family. My family had favorites and I was the one and that caused struggle in our families. There's a Bible story that I want to share a little bit about. Families, as far back as we can recall, the story of Abraham, who was called, and, and his family were called. Not everything went perfectly. He had grand, two grandsons. They were twins, Esau and Jacob, from his son Isaac and Rebekah. And it was custom in the, in the Jewish culture that when dad got elderly, he would, he would, he would call the boys in or, and call the family in and give them a blessing. And the blessing of the family went to the oldest son because he was to be the leader of the family. Now, in this case, Father Isaac kind of leaned toward and had a, he kind of had a favorite of Esau and Mother Rebekah had a favorite in Jacob. And so when, he, when, when Isaac told Esau, go on out and, and hunt some wild game and bring me some stew so I can give you the family blessing. Rebekah heard that and told Jacob, go get some stew made quickly and put on some clothes that smell like your brother and go and get the blessing from your dad. That really set up a not good thing, an unhealthy thing in that family. Jacob connived and ended up with Esau's blessing. Later, when Isaac was uh, later, just after he left the room, Esau comes in. He said, Dad, I'm here. I got your stew. Isaac said, who are you? I'm your son Esau. You told me to go hunting, and I went and I got the stew for you. And it says, Isaac began to tremble and shake. He said, who was here? Who, are, who was here? And then he said, um, I gave out the blessing. I ate the stew and I blessed whoever was here, which was your brother. And it's an irreversible, irrevocable blessing. And it says, in this case, that the blessing was stolen from Esau, and he cried out loud, Father, don't you have a blessing for me? Bless me, bless me. So these are examples in the story of God in our Bible of families that didn't do so perfect on it. So we can be kind of mum the word and say, Oh, yeah, how you doing? Everything's fine. Well, in our family lives, it's, in our family lives, it's not all fine. It's not in mine. And I have a hunch it's not in any of ours that everything's all perfect. Esau wept because he missed the blessing. We can weep too because of what happened maybe behind us. There can be deep hurts in family inheritances, in estates, or missed blessings, or nicknames that have a power to have a trickle down from generation to generation. And we have the power today 
to stand up and look back at those things or look in front of us at those things that once defined us and say, this is not who I want to be. This is not who God wants this to be. This is not who I am. Yeah. I'm not what I want to be. I'm not what I'm going to be. But thank God I'm not what I was. Yeah. These are... I would encourage you to talk together in the, today and through the next few days as you think about blessing, sharing God's favor that, gives, that builds people up and encourages them. And talk about maybe times that you wish you would have had it and didn't. Be honest with each other. What if we became a church? What if? Think with me. Imagine with me a group of people, God's people, Journey folks that are all over this community and as many places and little towns and, and, and neighborhoods that we live in would be known for people who bless others. Yeah. High value. Spoken words. Affirming words. People that offer acts of kindness who really care and demonstrate that. Some of you have demonstrated that. In some of the funerals at memorial services we had before Christmas, because some of those were with people that were community folks. And we sent out this thing from the office, bring food for meals, and you did. Those are acts of kindness. What would be if we'd be known for people who are, have, that are offer affirming words to build people up and acts of kindness? And a third one, who give gifts once in a while. I received a card in the, in the mail just yesterday that had affirming words and a gift on it because um, there's a, a number coming up that has my birthday on it. And some of us say, well, how do I, I don't like to buy gifts. You know what? That might just be the thing that surprises somebody in a good way, especially for us guys. What if? What might it, what might it look like if we actually did this what might happen from the old tv show mission impossible remember how they started the show if you just if you know it says if uh, your your mission is if you if you will take on this mission this week you can decide or you can decide not to you can choose to accept it or not to bless three people, two that you know, and two, one that you don't know. We can decide. Bless two people. Give affirming words that build up and encourage. And someone we don't know. Somebody that we meet in the community. Could we do that this week? Could we begin? We're already known as a people of God in this community that are on mission. But could we, could we take another step? God, thank you for the opportunity uh, of listening to you this morning and hearing from you and reading the scriptures that encourage us uh, to be a blessed people and to uh, and uh, be known for a people of blessing. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.